Well, I want you to turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of, uh, uh, where should we go? Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about talking yourself into the life you'll love. Talk yourself into the life you love. Talk yourself into the life you love. Not complaining about the life you don't have or the life that you wish you had, but talking yourself into the life you love. It's in Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, uh, He might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And we know the Lord Jesus then, when he was being tempted of the uh, devil, he responded to the devil. And uh, in Matthew 4.4, 4, and he said, But he answered and said, It is written. Well, where was it written? It was written in Deuteronomy 8.3. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So that's what we're supposed to live by. We're not living by a wage. We're not living by our kinfolks. We're not living by a pleasure. We're living by the word of God. And it's one of the great mysteries of the kingdom. We say things, we don't say things that would change our life on our way to try to change our life. Just giving ourselves everything we can to change our life when actually it's as simple as ordering our conversation aright. Amen? So in Galatians chapter 6, he, uh, the word reiterates this. Galatians chapter 6. All right, where are we here? Galatians chapter 6. It says in chapter 6 of Galatians, look in verse 7. Be not deceived... The word is seduced. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So let's, put it, let's point to ourselves and put it in first person. Ready, begin. Whatever I sow, I shall reap. <laughs> I thought y'all were going to carry that a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> whatsoever I sow, I shall also reap. Amen. Now, that's the way it is. The kingdom says it's that way. You might not agree. You might not like it. You might not have that experience. You did, but just didn't know it. But we are living off the seed of our, our words, and that's the way it is. Mark chapter 4. Gosh, we could have just stayed there. Mark chapter 4. Let's, let's uh, tie the word as a seed to a gardener. And his seed, it says in verse 4, it came to pass as he sowed. So he's talking about a farmer here. It came to pass as he sowed, some fell here and some fell there. But the point is, the farmer, the sower, sowed seed. And then in verse 14, it says, let's read that together. The sower soweth the word. So here we have a, uh, a bridge between garden seed field seed, and sowing the word. So whatever we can know about garden seed and the operation for planting a seed in the ground and watching it grow and seeing the harvest, whatever we can understand about that, the Lord Jesus gave us a direct parallel and said, if you can get that, you can have this. Now, it seems pretty simple. It looks like we'd go, well, yeah, duh, we can get that. That's, everybody knows about that. But almost... Well, let's just say a lot of Christians, they either don't know much gardening 
or they just refuse to do it the way the Word says. They're working hard, don't have time to sow, don't have time to sow good seeds, but uh, they go without. Let's just say this. Because of this verse, the seed has dominion over the soil. Would you say it with me? My seed has dominion over the soil. The seed rules. The seed rules. The ground never dominates the seed. You just don't have ground that says, oh yeah, that patch over there, that's, that's, that ground grows corn. But I have to plant my peas over here because this is my pea ground. <laughs> is that right? So it's what every ground is dominated by the seed. So we know, we know because we, we're all gardened, we all understand, we all know that all seed produce after its own kind. That's in Genesis. It's one of the very first principles of the kingdom. And so we are guaranteed, like gravity, like the sun coming up, that if we plant a corn seed, it will produce a corn plant. It's so basic. It's so simple. How could we miss it? So the soil has no choice, has no say, has no vote, but to produce whatever the seed commands it to do. So we've looked at things on this line before where we, we uh, brought in a bowl of dirt and, you know, and said, well, there's peaches in this dirt and there's tomatoes in this dirt and there's cantaloupes in this dirt. But there has to be a process to them. But literally, if you put a cantaloupe seed in that dirt and watered it, it would produce a cantaloupe that we would enjoy. It's sweet. It would be great. But we're not eating that dirt. So the same thing. We have a raw product. We have a, a raw life that has to be transformed like gasoline is by an engine. You wouldn't, gasoline in itself, you pour it on the ground, pour it in a tank, pour it in a can, it does nothing for you. But if you put it in an engine, it will convert that power, that latent power, convert it so that you can enjoy the process, enjoy the fruits of it. Same thing with the seed, same thing with the ground. We have to know who's in charge. Well, the ground's everywhere. The ground's everywhere. We can sow our seed just about anywhere. Uh, and it doesn't matter about what the ground is. Obviously, in Mark chapter 4, he goes in and he said, avoid the rocky ground, the thorny ground, the, the wayside ground. Avoid those and find good ground. But even in the bad ground, said it'll struggle, but it will produce. The ground has little to say about it. So here's the, here's the truth. God's word will prevail in me and in you, if we will let it grow. Everybody knows that you don't stick it in on Monday and go, and go get your cantaloupes on Tuesday. Everybody knows there's a process there. Uh, the Lord Jesus said um, uh, in one place in the Gospels, he said, we don't know how, but it's the blade, the ear, and the full corn in the ear. We, we, we go to bed and rise up, and it's happened on its own. We didn't have to teach it or instruct it or whatever. The seed was in charge, and it took over the process. It's totally in charge. Well, the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, the sower sows the word. So if we can sow cantaloupes into ground and expect a harvest, how be it a few days, how be it uh, whenever, we can sow the word into good ground, which is our heart, and we can expect harvest on that word. And he said, uh, in Galatians, it says, it cannot fail. Whatsoever you soweth, that shall ye also reap. It cannot fail. 
So why, why are we so ignorant? And ignorant just means you don't know. Stupid means you could know and don't know and won't learn, but how come the church is so ignorant about our words? We're very cavalier, very rough, very, very uh, inconsistent with our words. We speak anything that comes to our head, but our head is taking in carnal or natural stimuli from the world. We're mad at the Democrats. We're mad at the Republicans. We're mad at, we're mad at everybody in government right now. At least I, I think we could be if we're not. And, uh, and yet we just reflect or, or repeat what we are hearing and seeing and feeling. We're, we're, we're articulating that. So um, we have to talk ourselves into the life we love. It's not natural. You go, God, isn't God going to bless us? He is the blessing God. But just like kids, their parents bless them, but they got to go through a process. You got you to stay in one. You can't run away from home and say, I had a good life. My parents raised me. Amen. You got to stay there and take it. You got to eat your green beans. I hated green beans when I was little. I put mustard on them to get them down. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but you got to eat your green beans, whatever that was. So here's, here's, a, here's a principle about faith. Faith always, always, always stops, is, in, is, is rendered impotent, idle, and barren at the question mark. Whenever there's a question, wherever there's a, an uncertainty, the seed stops. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, if you would. You're right there in the Gospels. Matthew 21, verse 21. Faith always stops at the question mark. And here we have an example. The Lord Jesus, he's taking our Mark eleven twenty three scripture, and uh, Matthew said it a little different. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 21. Okay, here we are. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. So we see two conditions here. First of all, you have to have faith, and apparently you, don't, you cannot have doubt. Now we know that you can have doubt in your head, but you can't have doubt in your heart. You have to have faith down here, and it doesn't really matter what's going up here unless you say what's going on up here. And once you say it, your heart hears it, and it begins to form an image of that, and it becomes what the Word says is double-minded. It, it doesn't know which way we're going. We're just going into the woods, and we're going to do the best we can. But that's not the way the Lord intended it. So you notice here, he said, if you have faith and doubt not. Well, the doubt not is my choice. I've got to rake the leaves every once in a while in the front yard and get them out of there. I've got to get the... The, the, the nagging questions, the nagging interferences, I have to deal with them. Instead of just letting that thing work on me and bring doubt into my life, I have to address it. You are of the devil, or you are of the curse of the world, or you are of sin. Whatever it is that's in your life that's not supposed to be there, you have to deal with it. You have to evict it, or it will try to get from your head, which is benign, doesn't matter what's in your head, except your head, it all drops down into your heart, doesn't it? What you believe up here, you're going to say, out of the abundance of the mouth, the, 
uh, heart the mouth speaks, and you're going to hear it, and then you're going to develop faith on what you heard. So we have to fix this, and, we can, and while we're fixing it, we can't say what we're thinking. We've got to let our heart do the business here. So he said, uh, he said, if you have faith and doubt not. So how could you have faith and doubt at the same time? Because they're located in two different places. But the mountain moving part is down here. So we guard this. Proverbs says, uh, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. We have to guard this. And this up here is just processing. You know, they, like they said, don't, don't ever, you'll never eat sausage after you watch them make it. Well, it's the same thing with our head. If we could see what we thought about and the things that we went on, we wouldn't wonder why our lives are like they are. And so uh, what you get into your mouth gets in your heart. So it's a process. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart, the mouth speaks. So we speak. And then we hear our own words, and they get dropped down into our heart, and we speak them again. So there's a process there of winnowing, of, of uh, sifting, where we, we take in the stimuli, the, 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 the information of the world. You know, the pandemic's going to kill everybody. Well, that was going around. And, uh, or it's going to kill you, or whatever. Well, that comes in, and it's a viable entry into our head. But it's got to be evicted. It's got to be taken out. We have to deal with it and say, no, the Word says, by His stripes I was healed. I'm not taking this. But if you don't, it'll just sit there and work in like a, like a worm into a tree. It'll just start working in until finally you go, well, I just don't know how this is going to work. Seems like to me this, and it seems like to me that. So... <coughs> Here's the process. We talked about it last two weeks ago. When you hear a dog, when you hear the word dog, excuse me, we never think in the terms of D-O-G. Of course, in other languages, it would be something else. Uh, in Spanish, it would be P-E-R-O. Yeah, pero. So we don't, but we don't, we don't process in English or Spanish or whatever. We don't process in that. We process by image. So when someone says dog, an image comes up in our heart. And it, it'd all be different in here until somebody said black dog. And it still won't be the same, but we've narrowed it down. And if they say bad dog, we've all had an experience, a picture, an image of a bad dog or a good dog. Or they said, your dog, and all, all of a sudden you just well up and you get so happy about good dog at home. Well, uh, uh, when you change what, well, they, say, they say dog, and then they say yellow dog, and then they say your dog, there's three transitions right there that what you, the image you see changes. You're not stuck on black dog if they say yellow dog. They're not, you're not stuck on bad dog if they say your dog, unless you've got a bad dog. <laughs> so, so we, our words, change our image inside of us. It's controlling us, as it were. And if we, if we see something negative against the kingdom of God, we will see that image. If, if you find out everybody's getting laid off at work, and you're going into work to see what it is, you, you have an image inside. And what is that image? How am I going to do this, and how am I going to 
where am I going to work and what I'm going to do. All those images are a reaction, excuse me, all those thoughts are a reaction to the image in your, in your heart. So words create the future. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So images create future and words create images. Images then create our future. We see it and we say what we see. Once we say what we see, we hear what we say, it drops down into our heart, and then again, whatever the process that is down here, faith or doubt, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So we take all that that's around us, negative or positive, good or bad, truth or lie, and we process it, and suddenly how we process that in our heart, how it comes out once it's made the circuit, that is our future. So we got we to have the word in here. We got to know what's, uh, uh, if, you, if you hear little God, big devil, well then you're going to expect trouble at every, at every turn. So I want to talk myself into the life I love. Can I do it? Can you do it? We can do it. That's the system. That's how it works. Now, there's a lot of factors in the, in the world about, you know, how much money you have, where do you live, what kind of job, uh, your, your inheritance, uh, your health, your children. All these things are so many factors that we are tempted to say, that's what imp impacts my future. But the truth is, those are all peripheral, and my words are painting, creating, and forming my future. And all these things are subject to to my future that I create, and uh, we have a happy life. I want to talk myself into the life I love. Turn with me to Hebrews, if you would. Let's look at it in a different way. We've got a few minutes here, 60 or 80. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk ourselves into the life we love. Talk myself into the life I love. Not waiting, case sarah, sarah, what will be, will be. Taking my future personally, and creating it like I want it to be. So verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it faith the elders obtained a good report. Look in verse 6. But without faith, remember we talked about this, it doesn't say success or results, it, it says risk, for without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So here's, here's the bottom line. Let's just distill it. Let's get it down. God cannot, not chooses not, he cannot be pleased. He cannot be pleased if you don't believe him according to his word. He won't smack you. He won't smite you. He won't judge you. He won't send you to the, the, the deep sands of the sea. But... He cannot be pleased when we don't believe him according to his word. So the question comes up, and we believe the word, and we believe that Jesus has already brought us everything we need that the covenant has. Why do we have to, if it's mine, why do I have to call for it? Let's just slip back to chapter 1 right here, Hebrews 1, and let's look in verse 3. Well, let's just read verse 1 and 2 first. It's so, it's so good. God, who at sundry or various times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, 
hath in these days, something changed, spoken unto us by his son. And I have a little line out there that points to the word, has spoken to us by his son, the word. And he's going to bring that in, in the rest of this. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So there we know how the worlds were made. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, by the word of his power, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So it's interesting here that this word person who being the express brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that is the same word in, a, in a chapter 11, verse 1, that says, let me just read it, get it right, that says faith is the substance. The word substance there is the exact same word as it is in chapter 1, verse 3, the express image of his person. Or you could say the express image of his substance. So Jesus, although he's got many attributes and he was he was uh, he had a he had a body on the earth, but yet he's he's given that up and gone to heaven. He is the substance of our expectation and hope. In other words, you don't have your raise, you don't have your car or whatever, but Jesus is the substance of things hoped for. By tying these two scriptures together, he is the personage of our hope and our dream. So, uh, so Jesus is the express image of God's substance that he's put up for you and me. I know you know this, but we're going to tie it to the words that we have. So uh, how do we express an image? So you have an image. You say, please pass the salt. And you have an image. Um, you have an image of a car that you want or something, you have an image. How do you express the image? By words. We express images by words. So we take uh, words and turn them into images, then we take the images and we express them by words. And here he says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, He's telling us that there's a substance that's there, or it's a place marker, as it were, that's in the kingdom where you, your faith is standing in place for the thing you're believing for. And you go, well, how, when will it come? Well, it's here. If there's an image there, there's a substance there that takes the place of the reality or the, the physical part of what's coming. So you can have a confidence to say, my bills are paid. And my body is healed. Well, how can you say that? You're sick and you're broke. Jesus is my substance of things hoped for. He's the personage of the things that God has promised. So in chapter 11, let's go back to chapter 11, verse 3. And let's, let's put this back on words. Verse 2 says, For by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Well, what was they made of? Well, they were made of the image in God 
and his substance being released in words. So he spoke it. God's not even exempt from his own rules, his own laws, the kingdom principles. He did it just like he said we have to do it. What would be success for us was already success for him. Uh, it's just amazing. So Jesus was the exact, sub, the exact expression of God's substance for you and I. Everything that we need or want is in Jesus. One more scripture. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4. You know, all we're doing here is putting weight on the truth and not saying, well, it's one part, but there's many parts. Actually, there's just one part. And it makes or creates or brings us many parts. In Romans chapter 4, don't you love chapter 4? Let's look in verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world, talking about Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Let's go to verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, let's go to oh, verse 17. As it is written, as it is written, so you would read what was written, it would be an image, and you would have that image inside of you, and you would release it with words. I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, that's the image that he got, but he had no children, and he had a very old wife. Of course, he was old as a rock himself. The only thing is, is, after Sarah left, he had more kids yet. Hallelujah. Uh, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth, calleth those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Look, look. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So one time when uh, Abraham was having a little trouble in uh, Genesis 16 or somewhere in there, 14, 15, 16, he started complaining to God and saying, I have no children. You've got this deal going, but I have no children. How's this going to work? So uh, he hoped, but his hope was weak. He said, well, Eleazar is the only man in my house, and he's not of my issue. He's not of my seed. It says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. One way that he staggered not, do you all remember when God told him, look up into the sky and see the stars? And as you see them, so shall your inheritance be. And observe the sand of the sea, as you see the sand of the sea, so shall your inheritance be. So he gave him a visual because he didn't have the word, but we have the word. So we can read the word, we can meditate the word, and get a visual without actually going outside and seeing the stars, or having a visual of the sands of the sea. We actually have a more sure testimony of what God wants us to see and to say. So if we're saying, now this is real, I know y'all have heard of it before, but there, there are men that have said, I will not live longer than daddy lived. 
he died at 59 and I will. And you just rock along and he's like, oh, that looks good. He's 59 and a half. He looks good. And in the fall of the year, he just falls over. And you go, wow. It's not like he said, Daddy lived to be 120 and I'll live that long too. Although that seems to work somewhat too. We put our future in our mouth. And so if you want a better future, you got to have better words coming out of your mouth. Words that, that make an image. Uh, when there was no natural hope, God's word gave him supernatural hope. Now, every one of us have, is, or will be against something that has no natural hope, whether it's our children or a, 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 an affliction or whatever, whatever. It just comes in so many ways. So we have to, we have to take the natural hope, which is hopeless and helpless, and we have to disregard that and put on a supernatural hope. Well, there is no supernatural hope in the world. It's all bad. It's gloom and doom and all that. But this gives us supernatural hope. This is the substance. This is the personage of Jesus, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so... Abraham did it. We can go down there and read those. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I can do that, but I'm going to have to program myself. I'm going to have to get off the world circuit of watching the news and listen to your friends and, and just getting disgusted. Now, I'm going to tell you all just something along that line. Just because they are passing this and, and burning up that or whatever you think, I'm not here to tell you what to, what to think. But sometimes it looks a little sparse for our future. Yes. It looks pretty. But, and it's true if you extrapolate what's going on now and say, well, this is going to be that, you can make it come out. But that's not what's going on now has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with me. It just is the particular form of what I will have to overcome with my words and my faith. So just because they're throwing, you know, the future away or whatever you think's going on, uh, it's easy to get disgusted. It's easy to just say, this is me they're hurting. Well, no, we're hid. We're hid in him. So don't say what you see or hear. Say what you know and believe and keep yourself steady. Don't go ship shipwrecked by that. Now, I got something to read y'all tonight. This is so powerful, but it's so secular. And the reason I'm reading you something secular is because if I read a testimony and put Jesus in it and put people, you say, well, I've heard that and I've heard better, and you would have been right. But this is so secular that you can, you can, you can believe this. Can you think of a moment when someone's words dra drastically impacted your life? Maybe this moment came from a parent, a teacher, or a mentor. Maybe it came from a doctor, a court coach or a friend. For better or worse, words can have huge impact on the way we live our lives. They can make or break someone's day. Could I have a better amen? They have so much power and influence, much more than we often give them credit for. How can you choose to use this superpower can make a profound difference in someone else's world? I've learned this firsthand. This lesson came to me on the fourth night of my unexpected ICU stay. Four days earlier, I was just a normal, athletic, 18-year-old freshman college football player until I made a tackle that left me paralyzed from the neck down. After emergency surgery, 
I was given a mere 3% chance of every moving below my neck. Let me clarify, not a 3% chance to walk, but a 3% chance just to ever move. My life had forever changed. Sleep was nearly impossible. It was so quiet I could not hide from my thoughts and fears. Most nights I cried myself to sleep. At 2 a.m. on the fourth night, I lay wide awake in the gurney. It wasn't just worry that kept me up. Every two hours, and this is an amen, a doctor or a nurse entered my room to make sure my vitals were in check. <laughs> Typically, their interaction with me was always routine and clinical. But on this night, a physician entered the room and did something different. She knelt down next to my bed and said, Chris, look me in the eyes. Thinking back on it now, I remembered she was kind of mean about it. Her voice was direct and commanding. She sounded more like a character from an old-time Western movie than the slender woman in her 60s with short red hair and glasses who knelt by me. Our eyes locked, and she said, My name is Georgia. She continued, I'm from Wyoming. Do you know anyone from Wyoming? I told her no and wondered, where is this going? She continued, well... People from Wyoming don't tell lies. I'm here to tell you, now this is it, I'm here to tell you, you will beat this. You will beat this. She delivered those words with so much conviction I couldn't help but start to cry. Up to this point, I had questioned whether all the time and effort I'd put into my recovery would ever pay off. Dr. Georgia didn't say, you can beat this. She told me, you will beat this. Every part of my being believed Dr. Georgia in that moment, and instantly my faith was restored. A day later, when I started physical therapy, I heard her words echo in my head, Chris, you will beat this. Day by day, I grew stronger and stronger. Dr. George, Georgia helped me discover just how much impact one person's words can have. Fast forward five weeks. Though my stay in the hospital was far from over at this point, my resolve was unshakable. I would lie in bed dreaming about one day moving my legs and walking again. I put these dreams into action by working as hard as I could in every physical and occupational therapy session. I decided I needed to do more, so I asked my physical and occupational therapist to write down workouts for me to do outside of my scheduled therapy. I kept reminding myself, your future will take care of itself when you take care of today. That's interesting, isn't it? A few days later on Thanksgiving of all days, when my family was by my side, a miracle happened. I wiggled my left big toe. Just one week earlier, a doctor had said I would never move my legs again. But there at that moment, I had proved him wrong. And this big left toe was just the start. Over the next several years, I slowly gained strength through my throughout my legs. Eventually, I was able to walk across my graduation stage. A couple of years later, I had enough strength to walk my bride, Emily, down the aisle. Because of those four little words, you will beat this, I never gave up. Now, this is totally secular, but it's the truth. It works. The Jews tithe. They're not born again, but they tithe. And you know what we know about the Jews. They always have money. <laughs> and you go, well, what's that all about? Well, the principle works for whoever. It's, it's the human condition. It's the, the citizenship that you and I have through having a body on the earth that causes these things to have power 
and be instrumental. So I'm changing the way I talk. It's not like I'm a slob with my words. I'm not. But I'm going to step it up. How about you? Let's, let's step it up. Let's make our words deliberate and purposeful. Let's make our words have an end or a harvest or an impact on something instead of just rehearsing the news or the information that's come across our lives. Let's quit speculating about things that uh, are pressuring us and things that are looking negative and start speculating about, well, that's probably going to happen to me. Let's quit that. Let's start dreaming. Everybody in River Church, our greatest need is to have a time set apart to dream. We none of us, uh, I, I do not say we none of us, I said few of us have dream time where we just take, we just become a slug and just stop our life. Don't sleep, don't eat, just stop our lives and settle down and dream about what God has said to me. And when we stop and dream, an image will form. An image would, will form according to the word of you doing and having and being things that you'd not thought about because there's so much traffic in our minds. There's so much freight going across our lives. And so we just stop and say, I'm going to fixate. I'm going to fixate on the image that's come from prophecies he's given you or a word that comes out of the scriptures or something you heard in a message or read in a book where the words just lifted off the page and you knew that's me. That's God speaking to me. I'm going to repeat, I'm going to say, I'm going to rehearse what he has said because it's my way out. Michael, you will beat this. So tonight, before we go, I don't know what you have, the situation in your life, but let's just stop for a second and zero in on it and say that's a situation. Like this, this man, Chris, he had a situation. It wasn't a situation until it was. It was nothing in his mind until it was. So let's just stop a second and just say, this is my situation. What is your situation? Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Think about your situation. The thing that seems impossible or, the, or a dream that's been lost or discouragement that's piled on and things look so like they could never happen. We're going to change our world. We're going to create our world with words and so I'm going to say to myself, it's, it's personal, but I'm, I have, a, you know, I'm, I'm challenged with a physical thing. Uh, and I, so I'm going to say that. I'm going to say to myself tonight, Michael, you will beat this physical limitation. Would you say it with it, me, with your name and with your situation? Not for anybody to hear. Put your mouth over, hand over your mouth if you want to. This is not for show and tell. This is a faith structure that's going to start a process. Ready, begin. Michael, I am going to beat this physical limitation in Jesus' name, period. Now, I want to tell you what happened, what should happen, that you'd get an image of that situation changing with no corresponding evidence or proof of anything changing that would give you hope, natural hope. But because you declare by the name of Jesus, God's word in your life, you can say, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to have this. Amen.